please join me in welcoming one of our own, class of 82, Jim Grawley. Thank you, Marshall, President Halverson, faculty and students. It's really an honor to be here and a blessing to be here. Um, it's humbling to be here, um, to be asked to, to take some of your time and speak to you. Um, and on the topic I'm going to talk to you about, because there are so many um, Covenant alums who could be up here saying the, the same things I'm saying about God's faithfulness, about um, how we've been called, how God's led us since we left here. Um, for me, it was 30 years ago the last time I was sitting in, in the chairs that you're in. It's hard to believe how fast that time's gone. Um, my prayer today is that somehow I can be an encouragement in some way to you as you're thinking about what you're going to do with your life um, and, and as you're considering God's calling for you. Um, I, I want to make sure and I pray that um, our words today will honor God and honor his faithfulness because that's been an incredible um, testimony to me and the songs that we were just singing um, were a tribute to that. So. Um, the, the theme of what I wanted to talk about today, and, and thank you for that note. I never thought about it quite that way, Marshall, about the ghetto, but I'm obviously not in charge of house cleaning at my, keeping at my company. Um, but um, what, what I wanted to talk to you about today in being asked to talk about what I've done since leaving Covenant and how I, I've, I've been called by God is I, I really wanted to seize on one of the bylines that Covenant says about itself. Um, and you can see it on the website, and some of you may be familiar with this, but um, covenant says about itself, we offer the world biblically grounded men and women equipped to live in extraordinary callings in ordinary places. And so um, I feel like part of my life has been, one, I could say an ordinary covenant graduate um, living in extraordinary calling in ordinary places. So I'd like to talk to you about that and talk to you about that from a standpoint of a personal testimony um, and the journey that, that God's led me on to where I am today, partway through my calling. Um, and then I'd also like to give you a, an example of, of, of how that's uh, been manifested in some of our work. Um, we, of course, we have a number of callings. I'm called to be a husband and a father first, a, a member of my church, a steward, uh, a friend, friend of Marshall Rowe, which is, has its own issues. But, um, but what I want to talk about today is a calling of vocation. Um, and for me, that involves um, taking places um, that have great need and building housing for people with lower incomes, building, uh, restoring neighborhoods that have been distressed, restoring neighborhoods that have been disinvested in. And I've found over the past 20 years um, that that's where God's called me to be. That's where I get excited about working. That's what I feel like I can do in God's kingdom to connect um, my faith with what's going on in, in the world. Um, the places that I work have, have um, need hope, rebuilding, um, and they need to become healthier neighborhoods. They're places with names that many people don't know about. Some of you may have heard about them. Mostly you hear about them as places to stay away from. Um, but they're places that have, were once proud, where lots of people called home and, and generations have lived. Places with names like Old Fourth Ward, Paramore, Opelika, Gentilly, Mechanicsville, Edgewood, Titusville, the St. Bernard, Harlem Park. Newtown. These are places with people, history, and pride, and dreams of what their community can become. And what I do, I get to be part of rebuilding these places, 
into healthy, safe, diverse communities, bringing back hope, healthy environment, and a place for families to thrive. I wanted to share with you, um, this is some, this is a, I'm going to show you some pictures as I go. It helps me um, to, to talk about what I do. But um, this is some of the kind of places that we work, and you'll see some other ones. And then we try to create places that look like this for, for, that, that, that bring back neighborhoods. Um, there's been some verses in, in, in my life um, since leaving Covenant that really are um, instrumental to me. And I'm just going to flip ahead to... This is, this is one, and, and when, I, when I really found what I wanted to do as a calling, this was a verse that really resonated with me. And, and uh, Isaiah 58, 12, and Isaiah's talking to the exiles and, um, in, in prophecy about what God is going to do. And he says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called a repairer of broken walls, a re restorer of streets with dwellings. And, and uh, somebody gave me that that was close to me a number of years ago and said, that's what you that's what you are and that's what you can be. And I felt it was an overwhelming thing. I felt I'm not that yet, but I said, that's what I want to be. I want to be that guy. I want to be the repair of broken walls and the restorer of streets with dwellings. Um, and and uh, of course, uh, another verse that you're probably very familiar with has been a, a lifelong verse for me since being at Covenant is, uh, is, is Micah 6, 8. And he has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so for me, I want to do that by figuring out where in today's world I can live that out. And for me, that's been in inner city America and in neighborhoods that need help. Um, the work that I do involves a wide range of people, government agencies, nonprofits, churches, businesses, neighbors, investment bankers, lenders, lawyers. That's part of the fun. It, it, it involves orchestrating a whole lot of different people to achieve something. Our job in, in, in our company is to facilitate making dreams into plans, into real places, and homes and communities, uh, making places of beauty, making places of economic health, environmental sustainability, that are safe places for children, seniors, and families. God's calling has led me to be able to do this kind of work for the past 20 years in neighborhoods around the southeast based in Atlanta. I lead a company and a team that focuses on building and managing and operating extraordinary communities. Um, it's, it's a high calling, and, and all of us in the company feel that way. Um, we do it in cities around the southeast. Our company, Columbia Residential, has developed over 6,000 homes, um, and we manage most of those today in large master plan communities, senior developments, housing for people with special needs, a variety of things. We try to build places that are extraordinary and that revive and bring back investment to neighborhoods. <clears throat> Our focus is on the design and arranging the financing, construction, community management, and the business side of making this happen. Um, in doing so, we work with all kinds of people who are um, people of faith and working in ministry, but our specific role is to orchestrate it and pull it together and actually get it done and get it built. Um, and that's where I, I feel like I can thrive and that's what I've been called to do. In doing this, we raise the hopes um, and work with ministries, provide places for people to thrive. Just give you some of the some of the kind of communities that we build. Um, sometimes they look like this beforehand, um, and then we try to make them look like that afterwards. 
This is a shot of my partner and I um, with, with another colleague, but my partner and I, along with the people in our company, for the most part, believe that we do this as an outworking of our faith, as a way to meet our calling to serve God's children and to do our work to God's glory. As such, we try to do the finest work possible. We do everything we can do with the resources we have on a project to make it an extraordinary place and, and be responsible with every dollar. Over the past 20 years, this work's been my calling. It's taken me to um, amazing places and amazing opportunities that I never could have anticipated sitting here at Covenant. Um, when I was at Covenant, they didn't have the Chalmers Center. They didn't have a community development major. So it wasn't even a gleam in my eye at that point. But I want to tell you a little bit about, um, about where I came from and, and how I got to this calling. Um, looking back, I can see how God has led and his promises in scripture have come to fruition in my life. And it's a work in progress. It's hard to know where this leads or how it comes together when you're in the middle of it. I was blessed to be born into a family of parents who loved the Lord and who had a deep-rooted commitment to serving him. For them, this took them to the mission field. And so this is a picture in, uh, of us in Singapore and Malaysia. Um, it took them to the mission field and, and to a lifelong calling to full-time Christian service and ministry. I grew up in this environment, perhaps as many of you have. I grew up as a missionary kid in Singapore, Malaysia, and I grew up with kids of many different races and a model of serving Christ through evangelism, teaching, and ministering that came from my parents. This formed in me, through God's work, a desire to do something meaningful in people's lives and in God's kingdom, but I had no idea what that would be. Growing up as a preacher's kid, you can imagine that people ask you, do you have the gift and calling a ministry like your dad? Um, and, and I think 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that was even more prevalent of a thought process. Um, and and, and it, the worldview that covenant espouses was not as widely held. And so um, I got that all the time. But to my father's credit and to my parents' credit, my father had a biblical worldview of calling and made it clear that God calls you to the, a specific place and, and a specific thing for you to do based on the gifts that he's given you. And so um, that was a huge help to me to, to, to seek my calling. In coming to covenant, I had a vague idea of what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do either engineering or, or, or science, and I signed up for the dual degree program, but mainly I, I was able to come to a Christian college, play soccer, and, um, and, and, and do something related to engineering without much of a clue beyond that. I did have an interest in a developing world and in third world nations, um, and God led me to Covenant with, with, um, with that in mind. When I was at Covenant, um, you can pull up stuff on Facebook now, so... Um, <laughs> I'm not a Facebook person, but apparently these, these images are circulating on the internet. Um, but this just gives you an idea of some of the, the antics of, uh, I believe those are ghetto shirts that people have on. Um, but there's actually not a whole lot of talent in this band. It's actually an air band. Um, and this is, another, this is another shot I thought was apropos given the, uh, the wall that still exists over to my left. Um, apparently this was, a, this was thought to be a good idea um, for the soccer team to take their picture shortly after the chapel was built. 30 years later, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Um, and, and of course, that kind of thing wouldn't happen under President Halverson's watch. Um, <laughs> but at, at Covenant, I, I would say I had an incredible experience and I just enjoyed it and I look back on that time um, with, with the fondest of memories and, and friendships. 
But I, I also was a very ordinary student. I didn't have any great idea what I wanted to do. A lot of my friends were pre-med, and I used to think, that would be kind of great to know exactly what you're going to do for the next eight years and then the 40 years after that. Um, but but um, I really really didn't know where God was going to take me. So I stuck with the dual degree program, and, and um, which some of you are in, Joey, if you're here, and, and, and others. And I, I got to see uh, Ken Van Stel, who's, who's a dual degree alum, who uh, surprised me here today. He was here when I was here. Um, that, was a, that was a tremendous program because you got to get the covenant education and then get the uh, experience of Georgia Tech in a big engineering school. Um, but my main takeaway from my time at Covenant was really that I bought into the whole notion of integrating your faith and your, and your learning um, and, and your work. And, and that was instilled, if, if one thing was instilled in me, that was it. And, and I've taken that through, through life and it's so, so valuable to apply Christ to everything that you're doing. Um, Upon uh, transferring to, to tech, I, I remember wanting to come back, and, and uh, in hindsight, I don't know if I really wanted to do this, but I wanted to, sp to talk to people in chapel and say, you got to understand how great it is here and, and, and what you have, because it's so easy to be kind of complacent and, and, and not really realize how special Covenant is. But um, once you leave it, you see what an education is like. And I've been to three schools since leaving Covenant, but what an education is like without that integration of faith and learning, um, no matter how good it is. But while I was, um, was doing this, I, I, I took a job in engineering, and, and what I did is tried a number of different things, all of which were tremendous. And, and God opened doors for me in a lot of places, um, and, and I had all kinds of opportunities, but, but nothing that, that I felt really settled at. I, I worked for a, um, a residential developer and had a, had a plum job out of graduate school um, building subdivisions and, and building McMansions. But I just didn't, my heart wasn't in it. Um, it was a great place to make money and, and things like that, and it was good work. But I, I left that, and, and much to the, um, to the dismay of the guy that hired me, and he, didn't, he couldn't understand that. But I knew I wanted to do something in the developing world of the inner city. Um, I, I worked in investment banking for a while and, and mergers and acquisitions with Bank of America, um, and I did the same thing. I, I was always looking around the corner for how can I get involved in, in um, helping people in the developing world in the inner city. Um, God had to work on me about the inner city. Um, I, I, I really had a, an, an eye towards uh, places like Africa and Papua New Guinea, and I had a, I had a bias and, and a fear of the inner city, um, and God had to work on me. One of the things that, um, that happened with me was I, 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 God gave me a great interest in, in the whole study of the civil rights movement and of, of race and of what happened and why neighborhoods were that, that they were, and I didn't know where that came from other than Dr. Muller's sociology classes um, that I was so interested in when I was here, but that was a big formative thing of where, where my interest was in ending up. And so th this verse here is another one that's a touchstone for me, and, and the part that's a touch that most like me is the part that says he didn't know where he was going. But the, the point is that Abraham stepped out in faith, and, and I'm no Abraham, but likewise, um, without knowing exactly where you're going, I was able to keep moving and, and take really good opportunities and doors that the Lord opened up, but always there was a restlessness knowing that wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but I wouldn't trade any of it for the, the way that God's led me through that. Through God's grace and opening of doors, I was able to, to, to find a way to work fully in that arena. As Marshall said, I, I was able to be part of a, um, a unique subsidiary of Bank of America through its growth. Um, and it was a tremendous opportunity for me to do something I love to do, 
build a, build a business for that nationwide and, and, and really learn a ton. Um, another verse that's in, in, inspiring for me is I really came to have a love for cities and God gave me a love for cities to, to live there, to work there, to be amongst the people in, in, in cities and, and tough neighborhoods. Um, and, and this verse from Jeremiah, um, seek the, the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you in exile. And, and for me, that was Atlanta in exile. Um, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so we're there for a while. We're, we're, we're on this earth for a while, but, but it's very much part of the kingdom and calling to, to seek the prosperity of cities. But all that to say, I was able to, um, to come full circle and, and, and actually join a company that I'm owner of and, 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 and manage um, with my partner um, where we do this as our, as our core work. And I've been doing that for the last five years. I wanted to give you a little bit of a story of, 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 of a place and, and, and how that manifests itself in our work. Um, this is a, a, a picture of New Orleans. New Orleans has been an extraordinary part of my life for the past five years. Before um, Hurricane Katrina, I, I had been to New Orleans once, and I thought it was a place that kind of is a place that you've been there once, and that's, that's pretty much going to be it. Um, no, no offense to anybody from Louisiana. I've come to love it, but <clears throat> certain parts of it. But, um, <laughs> but when um, some of you may remember or you've done book reports on this uh, about Hurricane Katrina, and, and Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, and... Um, and it was a shock. It was a, it was a shock to our nation. It was a shock to um, the city and what happened. Um, it was a terrible flood. It was, it was bound to happen given what was going on. But what was really a shock is it exposed the, what was going on in that city and the dysfunction going on in that city and the poverty and the hopelessness um, and, and all those issues. And so here I was. I was in the middle of doing... Uh, doing uh, community development work, but we didn't, we didn't operate in New Orleans. And I remember praying about it, and I remember thinking, this is so striking, and it's such a huge need, and, and is there a way for me to, to get involved in that somehow? And at the, at the time, we, we tried a couple things, but it really didn't open up, and little did I know that um, in, in, in choosing to join um, the company I joined, um, that it would become a big part of my life a couple years later. Um, this is, this is um, you know, the kind of flooding that happened. Um, our company was able to have an opportunity to, to win a bid to, to develop one of the very large public housing sites in New Orleans that got destroyed. It was really destroyed before Hurricane Katrina, but it was officially destroyed with Hurricane Katrina. Um, and this is the kind of place it was. It was a place of, um, of, of uh, 1,450 apartments from the 1940s stacked on top of each other. Um, an urban planning nightmare in terms of you can imagine living in the middle of that with, with no streets going through and, and the danger. There were 22 murders in this, in this immediate neighborhood in the two years before Hurricane Katrina. Um, there were a lot of people who, had a, had a, who grew up there and, and, and are great people and have good memories of it, but by 2004, 2005, it had become a place that was really tough um, and, and a place that was really dangerous and, and, and hard for children. I still, to this day, um, have trouble sometimes getting cab drivers to take me to that exit because people didn't even want to get off the exit at the interstate there, um, given, given what it had become. And New Orleans was the worst of the worst in the United States. And so um, we had an opportunity, um, probably bit off more than we could chew, but we had an opportunity to take on one of these huge projects. Um, President Bush was there and, and announced the go zone, and, and our firm won the bidding to be part of a team that was going to work on uh, redeveloping this neighborhood. 
Um, of course, when the, when the storm hit, this is the kind of thing that happened. Um, and water sat. This was near the, the last places to flood and the very slow um, flooding of the place and then a very slow wash off. But 900 families had to evacuate this place immediately and some floated out on mattresses and things like that. And so it was, it was a terrible, um, in, in a very hard place, a very tough place, a terrible thing to have happen. Um, New Orleans, I will tell you, it was, um, for me, it was a bit of a Nineveh because. Um, I was excited about what our opportunity was, but it was scary and, and it was tough. And, and I, had a, I had a little bit of a bias towards it um, because of what I thought about the place and what I'd seen about the place. And, and God had to work on me on that. But um, fortunately, God sends us to Nineveh. And, and um, so we jumped in uh, full bore. It was a place where a lot of people were hurt. This is a picture of a, a woman that I've gotten to know quite well over the years um, who's, who's one of the activists that... that um, has a lot of hurt in her, but, but and fights everything we do tooth, tooth and nail, but also wants to see it happen. Um, you know, not everybody was excited about what we were doing, as you can see. Um, you, some of you might remember there was, it was actually on the national news when the city council voted to go forward with the project and, and, and the demolition and the redevelopment. There was, you know, there was tasers and, and things like that that happened in the city council meeting. So a very tough environment to come into. Um, plus it was in New Orleans and, and um, in a place that had been flooded, a place that um, a lot of people didn't want to invest in. Um, and here we were trying to propose, based on a vision that the community had and the foundation had, um, and best practices we've seen, something that was transformative and completely different. Um, so it was a deeply hurting place with deeply hurting people um, and risks all over. We also chose to try to close the financing on a $125 million project right in the middle of the financial meltdown of 2008. So, um, you know, people that were going to invest in this project at various times weren't sure if they had money. Um, so just about everything you could think of drove us to our knees and, 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 um, and humbled us uh, before God because this was obviously going to happen if, if, if it was his will, but, but not through our own power because there were so many obstacles to it. But um, it's been been uh, quite a story since um, over the last five years. This is the part of the city that was focused on, a, a great part of the city, but a, a place that had been dominated by this very tough place. Um, and there was a lot of visions and, and, and ideas of tying this in with the park and, and recreation and schools, and ultimately a master plan came forth um, that everybody bought into. And, and basically we're rebuilding a whole neighborhood, 17 city blocks, um, three schools, YMCA, retail, um, and today there's over 700 homes on the ground there. So um, it's been quite an experience. Um, of course, you start out with things like this with all the politicians and, and, and shovels, but um, quickly went to work. And um, that gives you some of the context of some of the early work um, that was going on. But really, it's a, it's a huge site, and, and it's a, a, a huge project that really is a 10-year build-out. But today... Um, we've been blessed that, that we were able to, just about every obstacle that was there, um, we were able to overcome. And there's been a reception of this by the market, by people who have choices to live anywhere, by people who wanted to come back that are public housing residents, by seniors, by the neighborhood. That's been really extraordinary. Um, and and we, we were able to build um, an extraordinary community, and people's heart and soul went into this, and, and prayers um, over this ground and over, over what was going on. Um, and so um, today there's an extraordinary new community there um, still being built out and, and um, it's called
called Columbia Park at the Bayou District, and, and it'll continue to be um, rippling effects throughout the neighborhoods in the next 10 years. Um, we've had all kinds of um, all kinds of opportunities for recognition and, and praise of the work. And so um, it's just some of the visitors. I mean, literally everybody comes to New Orleans, right? They all just came from the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, Warren Buffett, um, we got to give Warren Buffett a tour. He came and, and the president came on the fifth anniversary of Katrina and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Obama. And, and uh, they chose to, 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 to celebrate that anniversary at our site. Um, and, and really an ex some extraordinary things um, have, have occurred out of it. But um, so God has blessed our work in, in such a powerful way. But I wanted to just share the experience with you as, as an example of the kind of thing that I would never have had any idea um, when I was at Covenant uh, of doing something like that. But God knew what, what I had in terms of what he'd given me as skills and, and he gave me the opportunity to be at Covenant and all these other places and, and build that. And he knew where I was going to be 20 years later in, in a way that to me is incredible in hindsight and and you know people are interested in what we do I, I think it's um, it, I think it's on a par with what most everybody does but but for me it's been a, a really great experience of being able to be led really to my calling um, by the Lord and so in closing I just wanted to, to just share with you a, a, a couple of the, the principles that, that to me um, relate to calling from my experiences is um, one, know that God keeps his promises. And uh, my wife and I have been teaching this curriculum to little kids the last few years, but it's so true and it's so valuable for every one of us. But God always keeps his promises. And, and so when he promises in these verses that he's going to draw us to him, he's going to show us um, where he wants us to be, he's going to do that and, and, and be faithful. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen right away or in a way you probably predict, but, but God's faithful. So, you know, God's given you unique skills and interests and, and, and a fit. And so I'd say follow these. Um, there's so many things in the world that I'll tell you, this is kind of the prescription. And, and there's almost a feeling that says, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. But, you know, if God takes you on a path off of that, whether by your choice or whether by circumstance and a door slamming in your face, um, that's, that's God's working in that. Secondly, um, God will give you the desires of your heart. You know, that's a verse that, that, that from Psalm 37 that um, sometimes it's hard to see. But I believe it's true, and, and it doesn't happen right away. But if you love to do something and, and you um, have something you feel passionate about, um, God's going to lead you to that. That's part of his leading. Um, see what you're really excited about, what gets you really jazzed. Um, that's what I had to find. I, I, like for me, when I was doing uh, subdivisions in McMansions, or I remember we would buy land from farmers, and I was always like, I'm buying the land from this farmer, but I really want to keep the land and preserve it. <laughs> or I'd really rather do something that helps people than build a $500,000 rent mansion. That's telling you something. And so, um, you know, listen to that and, and, and get in things. I, I got excited about, I was doing my job, but then I get really jazzed when I went on a mission project that we were working in the inner city or the developing world. So that's telling you something, God leading you. Um, don't be afraid to try things. Um, and that are not what you're called to. Sometimes people want to be so much of, I haven't found what I'm really supposed to do. I would say, do something, do the best thing you can find, and God will redirect you. Um, and, and that's that, that verse, uh, verse about Abraham. Um, he stepped out even though he didn't know where he was going. That, that's been my experience, is, is, is do something, move in a direction, and God's going to 
kind of work with that and, and going to redirect you. And then finally, trust in God and his promises because God is so faithful. And, and we serve a God who always keeps his promises to us um, and, and in everything he does. And so um, be aware of that, internalize that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been a life first for me. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, even though it's very easy to do all the time. Um, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So in closing, I, I just urge you and to take advantage of your, your wonderful opportunity at Covenant to think about calling. And I hope I can be some encouragement to you of somebody who sat in your shoes and, and um, couldn't have been more uh, ordinary as a Covenant student, but um, God's planned a special way for me to find my calling. And, and it's my honor and privilege to share that with you. And I hope you can take something from that um, about how, how Covenant fits in and about the opportunities you have. Thanks again for the honor to speak with you and, and to God be the glory. Thank you.